Well, even though we paused for a quick look at the task uh, given to Moses by the Lord, we'll return to our thoughts on the epistle of James. For the next couple of weeks is my plan, probably about mid-October. I must warn you, and you probably already know this, James pulls no punches. The life that he suggests the Lord expects out of us as disciples is not one that is easy. It is a life that has been, and it is a life that is in the process of being transformed by the very Spirit of God. James highlights the ways that trials and sufferings have that effect of changing who we are. I hadn't really thought about this until just now, but you think about what we've talked about a couple times already. September 11th, right? How, how we, we, were, we were not the same after September 11th. Then there's probably been experiences in your own life or the life of your family that you would point back to and say... This was a very difficult time. It could have even involved the death of someone where it was literally uh, resulted in the altering of the makeup of your family. And you're not the same after that, right? You're left changed as a result. And, 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 And James wants us, difficult though it may be, to allow the Spirit of God to use even those times of challenge to form us and shape us into the people that God is calling us to be. Sometimes it is external sufferings. Sometimes it is kind of the pruning process that the Spirit embarks on in our own hearts. We had a guy come out this week and work on pruning a couple of the trees in our yard. Every time I mowed, I would come in and say, man, those trees, they hang too low, there's too many branches, blah, blah, blah. And he worked on one for me, and he he took me back. I should have put a picture in to show you all what it looked like. He did a great job. In fact, if you need a tree guy, I got one for you. But he... He was showing me, it's this, it's this little apple tree, and, and he was saying, you know, I, I, was, I, was, I was really going to maybe prune it a little bit more, but the problem is if you, if you prune too much, and he gave me a percentage, I don't really know if it's right or not, but he gave me a percentage. If you prune this much of a tree, the tree goes into shock. That was the word he used. The tree goes into shock because so much of it has been cut off. I was thinking about that in light of, some of the sufferings of life, and even the the pruning. Remember, Jesus describes himself as the vine dresser. And now sometimes we can relate to my poor little apple tree. Too much, too much. Well, (laughs) James doesn't care. (laughs) James is all in on whatever it takes. And sometimes he can step on toes a little bit, so let's let him do it, and you can't say I didn't warn you, right? James 2, my brothers and sisters, show no partiality, no favoritism 
as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing, and you say, oh, you sit here in, in a good place, well, you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are you not the rich ones, the ones who are not the rich ones, the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality or favoritism, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. One of the most beautiful elements of life, especially life as a human, is the differences we have. <clears throat> no two people are exactly the same, are they? I've got, I've got two that are pretty close in the way that they look. This is my sister Jamie and my sister Jean. Now, Included in their uh, similarities, I pulled these pictures off of their Facebook pages. In some of the pictures, I think they look more alike than others. I was actually looking for one that I couldn't find and didn't plan well enough to ask my mom to give it to me when they were a babe when they were babies, and they look exactly alike. In fact, there are pictures that we have where we're not sure which one it is. Now in these, as you, as you look at them, Jamie is always on the left. <laughs> I don't know if they meant to do that or not. I'll have to ask them later on. But in all three of them, Jamie is on the left side and Jean is on the right. As you can tell, sometimes the hairstyle is different. Jean wears glasses from time to time. I remember wondering when they were little, not in pictures, but in, in, you know, just daily life, folk at Judson would come up to them and ask them, now which one are you? And I would always, even as a little kid, I was five when they were born. So even as a grade school kid, I, I, it boggled my mind that people couldn't tell them apart. I thought that that's Jamie or or or, or that's that that that's Jean. They looked similar, but 
I spent my days with them, and I knew even, you know, the way they stood or walked. Huh? They were different. They were distinct people. Jamie, she is the one who takes pictures on the left side. She is also four minutes older than Jean is. She has always been a little bit more outgoing, a little bit more talkative, very social. Jean is reserved, a little more serious, fairly quiet. They looked alike, but they were totally different from my earliest memories. The author of the epistle of James suggests to his readers that a challenge of life is our inclination to treat people certain ways based on their appearance. He states his position on the issue clearly in the opening verses of chapter 2. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. The translation I had up earlier said partiality. The word favoritism is this Greek word, right? I can't get my mouse over here. This one. Prosopolyphius. Something like that. It literally means to receive by faith. We might say it today. To take at face value. And, and, and James warns his readers of the dangers of evaluating a person based on surface characteristics. And he goes into this, this um, scenario, this hypothetical, where he says, well, let's say that one person comes in looking one way and somebody else comes in looking like they're opposite. You folk that I'm writing to, I would guess that you may treat them differently. Believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, he says, are not to show favoritism. Said another way, do you, with your acts of favoritism, really believe? Can you do a and believe B. It's interesting to note that in James 2, verse 1, where he refer, or references the Lord Jesus Christ, that is the second and last time that the name Jesus is used in this letter. He's reminding his readers, though, who they are, that their identity is fixed on their belief and commitment to the Lord Jesus. He's, he's, he's submitting the idea that an identifying mark for those who name the name of Christ is not showing favoritism. There are dozens of activities that the church at one time or another has used in place of favoritism. My brothers and sisters, do you with your acts of X, see if I can do that, Dancing? <laughs> huh? Can you dance and claim the name of Christ? Can you drink and 
claim the name of Christ? Can you go to movies and be a Christian? Can you support a war? Can you criticize a war? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There have been a number of things. And I am not, hey, I, I think that, uh, that those who have suggested that maybe an activity or a position, they could have been right. For James, though, it was something that we may not expect. It was more of an inward attitude than an outward act that he warned against. For James, a believer in Christ, could not show favoritism and fit the part of a disciple. And then he gives his example. Rich and poor, evidenced by their appearances. One is greeted warmly and given a seat of honor. One is treated like an animal. Now sit here on the floor. Now, I, 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 think, I think rightfully so. We would like to give ourselves a little credit that if somebody came in looking uh, like they'd had a rough night or a rough couple of nights, That we wouldn't tell them, eh, sit, sit on the floor, right? We, we'd at least ha- we, we would at least have the manners to give them a, a seat, right? I have no doubt. What if, what if though, we, we, we took what James is trying to say, and, and that is that though we, as, as those who have found our place at the foot of the cross, as our only hope, that we must be very careful, and I must be very careful of, of my inner attitude, maybe not rich and poor, but, but maybe towards those who, for whatever reason, I, I, I'm just not quite comfortable around them. It's a very natural human experience to place ourselves around folk who make us comfortable. It may be folk who look differently than us. It may be folk who vote differently than us. It may be folk who who talk differently than us. And James says, (laughs) you didn't look right, vote right, talk right, act right, and Jesus died for you. How can you then respond and be so ugly toward somebody else. It might, <coughs> excuse me, it might be those most unlike us that can teach us the most. An honest reading of Scripture leads us to no other conclusion than that God holds those considered somehow outsiders, be it socioeconomically, be it whatever, that Jesus held a special place in his heart for those considered less than. If we're being honest, even this picture of the children back here with Jesus. Children barely counted as people in the time of Jesus. Remember the disciples? Get Get these kids away. Jesus said, no, no, no. These are the ones who display how to receive the kingdom, to very badly quote a passage from the gospel. It's important to recall that God is not settling 
God is, God is not, okay, fine. These, these folks that are outsiders, for whatever reason, I guess, I guess. No, they, they are specifically chosen and sought by God. James is making the point that partiality or favoritism of any kind is very dangerous. And then he says in the end of the passage we read that central to whom we are called to be is found in our command to love our neighbor. An integral part of Jesus' teaching and ministry, and obviously favoritism is antithetical. It does not fit the lifestyle of loving our neighbor. And James says, if you're not loving, I'm, hey, great job, great job keeping, you know, eight of the Ten Commandments, but you've broken one, so we might as well toss them all out. But we must be people whose foundation is love. The teaching of James is not easy. It's also not natural. There's this part of us again that wants to hold on, and I am just as guilty, uh, more guilty. So what it takes is an outside source to make it true in us. And that outside source is the Spirit of God to bring it about in our lives. May we be, may we be at least non-resistant to what God is calling us to do. May we have a heart that is open to the Lord displaying for us times when we are demonstrating favoritism or partiality in the way we think, the way we suspect other people to behave, whatever the case may be. Oh God, we thank you for the challenge of Scripture. We thank you most of all that you don't call us to obey it on our own. How short I fall. Give us grace with ourselves, oh God. Help us to recommit to loving and following you in every way. In Christ's name, amen.